It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. You are Locked On Titans. Your daily podcast on the Tennessee Titans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. And welcome to Locked On Titans, your daily source for all Titans news and information with your host, Terry McCormick of TitanInsider.com, Greg Arias, and former Tennessee Titans All-Pro left tackle, Brad Hopkins. It's Tuesday, and Terry McCormick, Greg Arias with you for this Tuesday edition here of Locked On Titans. Terry, a lot of things to get to today. Obviously, on Tuesday, we do our four downs. Uh, where we go over things concerning the Titans. Today we've got one that's a little bit off Titans topic. We'll get to that a little bit later on. But let's jump right in with the current news. And the Titans make some roster moves today, uh, promoting one player from the practice squad and releasing another. Yeah, they brought uh, Mehdi Abdismad, uh, who was an undrafted rookie who actually made the team initially out of training camp and was on the roster for about a day before he was released when they claimed Jason Morrow from waivers and wound up back on the practice squad. But they brought him up uh, because there's a little bit of uh, need for depth in the defensive line right now. And they put David Fluellen on waivers. And if he clears as expected, I would think they would re-sign him to the practice squad. You mentioned the, the need for Medi Abdesma to come up because – Obviously, uh, Jarrell Casey's still not 100%. There's a possibility that he could miss a second week. Now, you and I were down on the field Sunday uh, pregame, and Jarrell was out there in his shorts and a hoodie and had on his cleats, and he tried to go. He did some uh, light running, some cutting, some pushing against another offensive lineman and uh, strength and conditioning coach Steve Watterson, and then the decision was made that he would not play and obviously, uh, that is precautionary to make sure that he gets to be 100% healthy and doesn't injure himself worse. But it looked to you and I when he was warming up like, and certainly we know from his reaction that he wanted to play and felt like he could. I think the decision was made uh, outside of his control with the training staff and Mike Malarkey and John Robinson. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think, uh, you know, some of it may be, you know, that they don't want to worsen it or run the risk of worsening it. And the other part is, you know, maybe how much pain tolerance can he have and how effective can he be at less than 100%. So I think they erred on the side of caution Sunday. Uh, they're gonna, you'll have a couple of days off. The players had Monday off after the win, and they'll have Tuesday off. So that'll be a couple of days of rest for Jarrell Casey. And uh, they're just kind of taking it day by day to see uh, what they're going to be able to get from him, if anything, this week. The other news, Carl Klug, who played well, got a lot of pressure and was in the backfield disruptive against the Broncos on Sunday, strained his Achilles, so there is a possibility that he too could be either limited or out this week going to Kansas City. Thus, Abdesma getting up to the roster, and perhaps we could see both he and maybe even Austin Johnson if both Klug and Casey are out on Sunday, those two guys to be active against the Chiefs. 
Yeah, it's, you know, way too early to know what Carl Klug's uh, status is going to be. Mike Malarkey said he probably wouldn't be able to practice on Wednesday, but uh, I guess they'll continue to monitor him throughout the week. You know, obviously an Achilles is nothing to uh, mess around with. Uh, you know, there have been some guys who popped an Achilles, and that's very, uh, you know, a very severe injury. You know, obviously Klug not that bad, but they certainly want to give him some rest to uh, make sure that he comes back uh okay from that and uh the other there was one more injury linebacker sean spence who left yesterday's game with a left ankle sprain probably won't practice wednesday but uh, the injury is not considered to be very serious so the titans still relatively healthy though if there is a question mark it's all at one spot on the defensive line with this team which obviously against kansas city uh, i don't know that it makes that much difference terry when you go against this team as far as uh Obviously, it could against the run, but with the way Kansas City's offense operates, that quick Alex Smith catches the snap, takes the snap, and that football is out of there. He doesn't get a lot of pressure because he doesn't hold the ball long enough for people to get there. So uh, Casey, while would certainly be an absence, I don't know that it's that big of a deal as far as the pass rush is concerned going up against this offense coming up on Sunday. Yeah, I think uh, you know the Chiefs, You know they're not going to beat you really with a whole lot of deep throws and things like that. They do, like you said, a lot of quick uh, three- and five-step drops. Got to watch out for Travis Kelsey, their tight end, who's been, uh, a, had I think, three straight 100-yard receiving games. So and that's always been an Achilles heel for the Titans anyway. But, yeah, uh, if they're missing Casey and or Klug on the defensive line, you know, I think it's going to hurt them in a couple of ways. You know, maybe not so much at the pass rush, but uh, in terms of, uh, being able to uh, stop the run and hold up there and set that edge and that sort of thing, too. Let's jump into our four down segment now, Terry, and uh, talk a little bit about, obviously, uh, the four subjects that we've chosen for today. And when we look at those uh, four subjects, we start with uh, a little bit of controversy that arose Sunday during the game. Obviously, the Harry Douglas uh, hit some considered dirty. Certainly Chris Harris Jr. of the Broncos, Aqib Tlaib, uh, felt like it was a dirty hit. Gary Kubiak didn't comment on it, or at least I have not seen anything from him publicly other than what he said post-game on Sunday where he said uh, it was a hit. He didn't really go into detail. But Mike Malarkey had some pointed comments that he made Monday during his press conference about that Harry Douglas hit. Yeah, Mike Malarkey basically said it was legal that he's been around Harry Douglas for six years and that's the way that Harry plays. That's what he does, and uh, he has no. He has said he had no problem with the, with the the play and the way that Harry Douglas executed the hit. Now, you and I talked to a couple of former players, and I don't want to put anybody on the spot by naming names, but uh, one player in particular felt like that maybe it was a little bit on the edge of he wouldn't come out and, and qualify it as dirty, but certainly close. I think was the uh, what I took away from the comments. Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, when you when you look at it, you know, maybe it was a little bit unnecessary. You know, maybe, you know, legal, you know, I don't know if I would go so far as to say it was dirty, but I think uh, that it was a situation where maybe it was a little bit over the top and a little bit more than uh, certainly the Broncos would have wanted. Well, the good news is that uh, for Chris Harris Jr., 
he missed a play or two but was able to come back in the game. There was nothing uh, injured apparently uh, that he was able to come back and play at least. And certainly, obviously, his career not over as he insinuated that uh, – uh, Harry Douglas was trying to do to end his career with the the shot, and I don't think that there was any intent for that. You and I have been around Harry over the last couple of years, and he doesn't seem like a guy that would go out and intentionally try to do something to uh, end a person's career in that nature. So I think while uh, obviously being upset, Chris Harrison. He could have the right to be uh, if he feels that way, and that's his feelings about it. I don't think that was anything that Harry Douglas – he was trying to throw a block, but I don't think he was trying to injure the guy. No, I don't think he was either. I think uh, he was just, you know, going about his job aggressively. And I think, uh, you know, in that regard, I think that's probably, you know, if you're the Titans, you probably want him to err on the side of being aggressive. I don't think that Harry's the type that's going to go out and just intentionally cheap shot somebody. But it certainly was a play that, uh, you know, looked right there kind of on the borderline, shall we say. And you and I sitting in the press box, we didn't even see the block when it occurred live. Uh, obviously, we saw Chris Harris down on the field. They went back. They showed the replay. Uh, you could tell from the players' uh, chippiness that began some talking. Tlaib, of course, uh, was involved in that right away, that there there was some upset over it. But then you kind of had to go back and, and play catch-up a little bit to see the replay to see what had happened. And initially, I didn't think it was that big of a deal uh, when – when I watched it the first time, and obviously after going back and looking at it and hearing what people have said, I guess it's open for interpretation. And probably if you ask 25 people, you might get 25 different responses. Yeah, that's true. And I think, uh, you know, when you talk about, uh, you know, the whole thing and, and how it played out, you know, certainly the Broncos were upset and, uh, you know, Aqib Tlaib uh, were the most vocal in that, you know, but. You know, it'll be interesting to see. You know, I, somebody said that they didn't think Harry Douglas would be fined over the play. Uh, I guess we'll we'll find that out in maybe in a day or so. But uh, I think Aqib Talib might be facing a fine as well, just for the way that he reacted and carried out those actions uh, in his anger against Harry Douglas for the hit. I would think so. If there's any, to me, at this point, and I, obviously the NFL uh, has a mind of its own that doesn't always follow uh, logic of people that try to use it when uh, discussing these matters. But if there's any fine against Harry, it might be for some of the altercation that occurred when those two kind of got into it and really mixed it up pretty good on that sideline. There might be some fines for some other Broncos too because there were some guys that left the bench and came out onto the field. So we could certainly see uh, that, I think, as well. I don't know how the NFL would go, and go about finding the Titans guys on the sideline that came over to try to break things up that – technically didn't leave their bench so we'll have to see if there's anybody else uh, that gets anything out of that I think the NFL probably will go through and watch the film and, and see if there's anything in there that they can decipher uh, to maybe assess some other fines for some other people for that yeah I think uh, you know that is something that will have to be monitored throughout the week uh, I think the league usually sends those things out on uh, Tuesday or Wednesday uh, and then you usually have to go to the players to try and find out because the league won't confirm anything usually until a Friday. Let's move on to second down. We want to talk a little bit about Marcus Mariota, and obviously he struggled yesterday, or Sunday rather, against the uh, Broncos, completing just 6 of 20 passes for 88 yards on the day, a long completion of 26 yards, a quarterback passer rating of 45.4. By far his 
probably worst day, I would think, as an NFL quarterback, Terry, as far as those numbers go. But there's a very positive note in that. Of those 20 passes that he threw with only six being completed, there's a big zero on that interception line. Yeah, that is true. And the other thing, too, if you're looking at this from a team perspective, the Titans had pretty much ridden Marcus Mariota's performances over the last five or six weeks as they righted the ship uh, this season. Yesterday, you know, Marcus didn't have his A game, but I think when the, the fact that the Titans were able to come out would not only come out with a win, but come out with a win against a quality football team, the defending Super Bowl champion Denver Broncos, I think the fact that they were able to do that without Marcus delivering a lot on the offensive side of the ball, I think that is certainly a sign that this team is growing up and improving and uh, getting better maybe in all facets of the game and not just the quarterback play. Now, obviously most weeks, a lot of it's going to be dependent upon Marcus Mariota, but I think if you're the Titans, you do take a little bit of consolation in the fact that you can win a game against a good team when your quarterback is just a little bit off in his performance. Absolutely, but I think, and obviously I I think you will agree, he's got to have a better performance. Now, he doesn't have to have four touchdowns and throw for 400 yards or any uh, Marino-type numbers that that he put up in his day, but he certainly got to have a better than six for 20 performance on the road against Kansas City, who sports a pretty good defensive football team, but I think this Titans team can compete if they get just enough balance from the uh, passing game that Kansas City can't come up and try to stack the run and say, okay, we're just going to take DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry when he's in the ball game away because we don't think Mariota can beat us. No, I agree with that. I think Marcus is going to have to kind of right the ship, so to speak, and bounce back this uh, coming week against the Chiefs. And that won't be easy because, you know, the Chiefs certainly have a ball-hawking uh, secondary uh, led by Eric Berry, who is very familiar to local people here from his days at the University of Tennessee, and then they've got, you know, obviously Justin Houston, who uh, spearheads that defense as a pass rusher, one of the very best right up there, probably ranks right there along with Von Miller and J.J. Watt, uh, whom, uh, you know, the Titans uh, are familiar with. Uh, You know, it's going to be a tough day, you know, much like it was against Denver, uh, to try and throw the ball and throw it consistently. But, yeah, it does have to be better probably than it was against Denver yesterday. One thing that might play in the Titans' favor, the uncertainty of Derek Johnson, the fine inside linebacker veteran for the Chiefs. He was injured, and it was an Achilles injury uh, against the Raiders in that uh, Thursday night game. He went out, did not come back. After he left the football game, Terry, the Raiders were able to run the football more effectively against that Kansas City defense, so that might be a silver lining. Certainly, I'm not uh, saying that I'm happy that uh, Derek Johnson is injured, but if he can't play, uh, obviously he is a force in the run game, and his absence could allow the Titans to find some things to be able to run the football. Yeah, you know, Derek Johnson being missing from that Kansas City lineup, that's obviously a blow to that defense, uh, which you know, has really kind of struggled against the run to begin with. And I think when you uh, look at, uh, you know, that Kansas City defense, he's one of the, the leaders. He's been there for a long time, very consistent player. And them not having him because of that season-ending Achilles injury is certainly, uh, you know, a, a mark in the Titans' favor. And they need to try and take advantage of that by running the football effectively. You're listening to Locked on Titans on the Locked on Podcast Network.
Everybody needs to understand that I'm more than simply a hype man for this rap group. Just like Geico is more than just a company that can save you money. Geico also has fast and friendly claim service so they can help you when you need it most. And while I do love being a hype man, I also love reading for children's audiobooks. Like Little Bo Peep, she lost the sheep and she don't know where to find them. Go! Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. Football season is drawing to a close in the NFL as the playoffs are fast approaching. And SeatGeek is the smartest and easiest way to find tickets for the games you want to see up close and in person this season. There's nothing like being in the stadium for the biggest plays of the year. And with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the seat you want at a great value. SeatGeek has the best deal on every ticket in the house, wherever you want to sit, whether it's the 50-yard line, the club seats, or even the upper level. I've got the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find the seats for the weekend, for this weekend or for any game this season. With SeatGeek, you always get the best deal on every ticket because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek will always find you the lowest price available. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your bucks. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Plus, every ticket you buy on SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee. Best of all, our listeners here at Locked On Titans get an $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. How do you go about getting that $20 rebate? It's pretty simple. To get the $20 rebate for tickets, download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab and click add a promo code, enter the promo code LOTITANS, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Again, it's really simple. Download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, click add a promo code, enter the promo code LOTITANS, SeatGeek will send you that $20 rebate after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code LOTITANS today. Hi, this is Maury Moreland Morrison, here to tell you Geico has more than just great savings. Much more. Yes, while Geico could help you rack up more moolah faster than you can say metamorphosis, they've also been the fastest growing auto insurer for more than 10 years. That's more like it. Furthermore, Geico has fast and friendly claim service. That might seem like an oxymoron, but it's not. All the more reason to say no other auto insurer has more more than Geico. Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. Terry, jumping on to third down, and we want to talk a little bit about the playoff situation for the Titans. Obviously, at this point in time, they're in a great shape, seven and six. There could be in better shape. Obviously, more wins would certainly have you closer to being locked up to a spot, but at least they control their own destiny at this point in time. Yeah, they do. They win uh, their remaining four games, uh, or remaining three games, I should say now, then they will qualify for the playoffs and they will uh, be the AFC South champion. You know, obviously they don't have to win all three. Uh, They could still get in, but they might need a little bit of help here or there. Uh, You know, the biggest thing working against them is probably their division record. The fact that they are only one and three in the division, the best they can do is be three and three. And uh, the Texans are four and oh currently in the division. So, uh, you know, they're not going to win that tiebreaker with the Houston Texans if it comes down to, uh, you know, better, best division records. So I think when you look at, you know, the Titans, if as long as they can keep winning, they control their own fate. And the other thing is, too, they could still, you know, 
managed to get a wild card uh, with a certain, uh, you know, scenario plays out. Uh, they are one game behind currently the uh, Dolphins and the Broncos, who are battling for that sixth and final spot as the wild card. But they have wins in hand over both of those teams. So if they if they get into a tie with one or both of those teams, and there are no other teams like say the Ravens or the Steelers involved in that tiebreaker, then the Titans would go to the playoffs as a wild card uh, based upon their head-to-head victories over the Dolphins and the Broncos. Well, it's a little bit complex, but it's really pretty simple. You win, you're in. The Titans take care of their business. They win those final three games. Obviously, the Colts have fallen out of the three-way tie now, and if the Titans can win out, they would have a win over Houston head-to-head. And, of course, if Houston were to drop another game along the way there somewhere, uh, that would put the Titans in as the division champ. So that's pretty simple uh, to say, at least, but perhaps more uh, difficult for the Titans to pull off. Let's jump over to fourth down, Terry. And the big news coming out on Monday afternoon, the termination of Jeff Fisher as the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams. Obviously, Fisher, the longtime coach of the Titans, he's the man that took them to the Super Bowl in their first year at LP or at uh, then Adelphia Coliseum uh, back in 1999. Let go by the Rams today after a 42 to seven beatdown by the Falcons on uh, on Sunday out in Los Angeles. Yeah, I think the writing was starting to get on be on the wall for Jeff Fisher really started to look like the way things looked here in 2010 when things kind of came unraveled. There were all kinds of controversies and media fires uh, surrounding Fisher uh, from the fact that the team was not playing well to his little spat with Eric Dickerson that became public in the media to uh, the comments about the personnel department where he kind of threw them under the bus saying that, you know, draft picks didn't work out and that sort of thing, you know, kind of, a lot of that repeated itself from what was happening here uh, in 2010, his final season. A lot of people remember that. That's when, you know, all kinds of things were happening. Vince Young tossing his shoulder pads into the stand. Uh, Fisher at odds with management because he wanted to add his son to the staff, and uh, the Titans refused to do that. You know, it's interesting here. I'm going to read you this quote, uh, if I can find it here. Yes, from owner Stan Kroenke. And this is very, very telling as to far, how far things had fallen under Jeff Fisher and uh, the, the fact that the Rams are, are struggling so badly right now. It says, quote, we are all focused on improving as an organization and building a team that makes Los Angeles proud. Our mission is to celebrate a Super Bowl title with our fans in Los Angeles. Today is the first step to bringing us closer to that goal. So they obviously felt that Jeff Fisher was not going to get this organization to a Super Bowl anytime soon as he had had nearly five years to do so and had not posted one winning record and five consecutive seasons of losing records uh, for Jeff with the Rams there. But the funny thing is, Terry, obviously a couple of uh, days ago or about a week ago maybe, uh, he was given a two-year contract extension. And you think, okay, how does this guy get a contract extension with the uh, the facts of, of how the situation and things were? And, by the way, the loss on Sunday ties him with Dan Reeves for the most losses ever as an NFL head coach. And people were thinking, okay, he's going to have that record all by himself after next week. Well, the Rams kind of did him a favor now he'll at least stay tied with Dan Reeves on that uh, list for a little while until and if he is ever able to get another head coaching job. Yeah, you know, and I, that's the thing. I wonder, you know, you know, Jeff is 
58, so he's probably, you know, at the point in his life where he's going to have to make a decision as he wants to try and stay in coaching and get another shot uh, coaching somewhere. I think given how poorly things went with the Rams and uh, how poorly things went his last couple of seasons with the Titans, you know, it's going to be hard. He's, he's going to be damaged goods for a while, and it's going to take him a while. You know, no fan base is going to be excited about a team that brings Jeff Fisher in as the head coach right now. Not Maybe not even the Cleveland Browns or the 49ers would be excited about that prospect uh, with the way Jeff's teams have struggled, especially on the offensive side of the ball uh, the last few years. So, you know, he may have to go in and do TV or something like that. Uh, he certainly – would have a future in that if he wanted it or work for the league or something like that. Uh, perhaps, uh, you know, Jeff might even have a future in politics, uh, you know, with uh, his ability to, uh, you know, maintain a, an image that, uh, you know, has kept him employed despite uh, a lack of uh, real success for a number of years as a head coach. So I think, you know, he's got a number of options out there. I'll be interested to see if he wants to give coaching another try or if this, is it for on his coaching career well that certainly remains to be seen and uh, i'm sure that will play out over the course of things uh here in the in the next few weeks as the season winds down but uh, certainly the uh, titans fans and the titans themselves are interested in what happens with the rams the rest of the way because right now if the nfl draft was held today the titans would have the number five overall pick that currently owned by the Los Angeles Rams, but of course was dealt to the Titans in that move up last year when the Rams jumped up to take the number one spot overall to draft Jared Goff as their quarterback. Terry, we're running out of time again today. It uh, goes by quickly, but uh, it's time for the final thoughts. Your final thought on this Tuesday edition. Well, my final thought, uh, you know, is the fact that, you know, the Titans secondary, which has really struggled all year long. And, you know, I think, you know, they showed some promise yesterday, and I think when you look at the way that they played Sunday against the Broncos and, uh, you know, LaShawn Sims, I think you have to be encouraged with that. And even Valentino Blake, who has, you know, been much maligned in terms of the way he has uh, performed, especially on special teams this year, came up big with a couple of plays. So things are looking up for the defense and the secondary uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can maintain that going forward beginning this week against the Chiefs. You said something a moment ago uh, in your comments about Jeff Fisher that led me uh, to my final thought. I had a final thought all planned out, but uh, this came to mind, and I want to go uh, and, and jump into it. And you said about Jeff Fisher the fact that no fan base would be excited, even Cleveland and San Francisco, at the prospect of hiring Jeff Fisher as their head coach. We went through that recently here. Very recently, in fact, uh, just last season during the off season, when uh, Mike Malarkey took over as the interim head coach for uh, Ken Wisenhunt, went through the process. He was hired as the head coach. The reaction by the fans, pretty much unanimously. There might have been a few people that said, "Okay, let's give the guy a shot," but for the most part, it was pretty negative about Mike Malarkey and uh, him being the head coach of the Titans. But the man deserves some credit. This team is 7-6. and six. Granted, it's not the best record in the NFL, but the, what he and John Robinson have done, and they laid out their vision at a press conference that Terry, you and I attended when both were announced as the hires as the new general manager and the head coach, they told us what they were going to do, and they set about doing it despite the fact that people doubted it. And we're seeing the 
proof and the fruits of that effort and labor and what their vision was for this team. And they are in contention and and hold, if I can say it, their own destiny to get into the playoffs. And Mike Malarkey certainly, I think, should be a candidate for Coach of the Year in the NFL. That's my final thought for today. That will do it for us. We'll be back with you on Wednesday when we'll have another edition of Locked on Titans. Have a great day, everybody. You are Locked on Titans, your daily Tennessee Titans podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for listening to the Locked on Podcast Network, but why stop now? Check out the daily Locked on Podcast Network for your favorite NHL team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.